people are looking around and saying, this is a very uncertain world. We want to put our money someplace that is safe and reliable. And they're not putting it in gold. They're putting it in U.S. dollars. And there's a very good reason they're not putting it in gold, by the way. If Russia, Russia holds a lot of gold. Matter of fact, they're a major gold producer. If they get into serious economic trouble, they will proceed to sell a lot of gold, which means the price of gold will drop, which means if you buy gold thinking there's a crisis right now and Russia decides to dump all its gold on the market, you will be in a great deal of financial pain. Once more unto the breach, dear friends. Else fill the wall up with our English dead. Uh, uh, contrary to popular belief, we are on the air. I'm not, That's cool. Yes. If, if, if it was popular belief to begin with, which would have to mean that we were at least popular enough to have a belief about us. <clears throat> no, that's not been us forever. This is the personal wealth coach, whether or not we're on the air. We are the personal right. wealth coach. And it, uh, please let us know if we're on the air. Give, send us an email at jeff or jake at tpwc.com. In the meantime, we've got some disclosures to do, so we might as well just jump into those. Um, the Personal Wealth Coach is the name of an SEC-registered investment advisory firm, as well as this radio program. And the, well, <laughs> I'm not sure we're on the air. We'll see. Well, well uh, at least on the internet, we're not on the air. Maybe okay. somebody would email us and say, hey, you're on the broadcast, but you're not on the internet. But the music was on, and it's not on now, so I don't think we're on the air. Okay. But so we here, can keep on disclosing. Yeah, we'll keep disclosing. Um, it, just because we're registered with the SEC doesn't see the, mean that the SEC cares much about us in any way, shape, or form, except to tell us when things are not going well. Um, this is an educational radio program, even though we just said that we were registered with the SEC to give fiduciary advice. We can't do that on the air. This air is educational, not advisorial. Is that a word? Advisorial? I guess that's a good word. I just that's made it up. Word. But you can, you can deem to give us the next disclosure now, if you wish. Well, the information we provide on this educational radio program has been abstained from sources that we deem to be reliable, but we make no warranty or guarantee as to the accuracy or completeness of said information. It sounded like instead of obtain, you said abstain, which would be could. fantastically yeah. reversing the entire disclosure. Philip, thank you for letting us know that we are on the air. We appreciate you, and we appreciate that you... Allow your offspring to listen to two bald people occasionally. Thank you for your thank you as well. Um, so we're going to jump right into this now that we're about 15 minutes into the hour. What happened in the market this week? Well, the market went up and the market went down and then the market uh, went up a little bit more and then it went down a little more. All right. And now we're done with the market news and on right. to the weather. In some places it rained and some places it did not. And now on to sports. The team with the most points won. Yes. Right. All right. Back Actually, to Actually, the S&P 500 uh, turned into a pretty good week. It rose 2.55% for the week to 3961.63. You know, if you ever want to play around with numbers, which we geeks and nerds do, 2.55% multiply it times 52 weeks, and you go, wow. Oh, that's, that's impressive. But it's and not very realistic. We, that's why we object to the GDP numbers, by the way. The GDP number that comes out, like the six point whatever we had in the fourth quarter GDP last year. 
that's an annualized rate. But it sounds like, like the quarter did that. It's yeah, reported in a quarter, isn't it? I I don't like annualized rates. Uh, I I think they ought to say how much it rose or fell in that quarter, I not think annualizing it. You should project your stay in Vegas based on your when you get a winning. Project it out as if each day will be winning like that. How about each time you pull the handle? Yeah, and that way you will fund Las Vegas for the next millennia, which into by the, the way, future forever. Which by the way dates me. Because you don't, I understand you don't pull the handle anymore. You just press a button because pulling the handle was too much work for the little ladies or something. Anyway, um, Bob, thanks for letting us know, by the way, we've got another confirmation that not only are we on the airwaves, we're on the internet waves. So things are cool. That's good. Okay. Um, The index is now 8%. This S&P 500 is now 8% higher than at its bottom based back in June 16th. It was at 30. You can remember this number. This is this may be the bottom, bottom, but this bottom. Bottom, so bottom, 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 is bottom. Repetitive right. emphasis. Yeah, but it's a cool, it's a cool number. It's 3666.77, which probably has some deep that, meta evil physical meaning yes. or something. Anyway, it's it's still the S&P 500 end of the week down 17.35% from its top in so, about the 4th of January. It, up 8% from the bottom, down 17 from the top. Okay. Yeah. And it is uh, down 16.88% from a year ago. Those are all interesting statistics. But if you go back three years, which is the shortest time period, I think a true investor would be in, in the market. It's up 28%. So that's really good. Uh, it's still that, which that that 28% is pretty close to its long-term average. So the market really isn't, if you're a long-term investor, the market really isn't down, uh, no matter what the media says and such that's life. Anyway, that's the way U S equity markets work since world war two, particularly, and actually over the longer term, if you want to look really long-term, anytime the market is down short-term, if you look back just a few years, it's up from just a few years ago. Why is that an important thing? Because if you are an investor in equities or if you actually are an investor in any liquid market, it's important that you recognize when you invest, it is long-term or else not investment, it's speculation. And if you look long-term and say, we're up long-term, then you're still probably in the right place. You know, these things change, but it's something to keep your eye on. Um is this the bottom? Was was June sixteenth the bottom of this bear market? Who knows? Maybe I'd it, say there's a coin flip chance. I would call it a bottom at the very least. Mm-hmm. There's about half the people who comment on these. You things. know, th- these are things that economists can get away with saying. If if most people went around calling things bottoms, um, and, and saying at the very least that's a bottom, and the people would get rather upset. But with us, they're like, hmm, I guess when you're dredging a channel it's okay to say it too but and the bottom of a ship yes that is that is the bottom Uh, i think they call that the keel but or the hull or something yeah yeah um is is was that the bottom about half the people who comment on these things can come up with some amazing statistical uh information to show yep that was the bottom and the other half are saying amazing list of statistical data that says nope that wasn't the bottom it's got at least one more down leg before it's the bottom i'll be able to tell you with absolute assurity to 
to, at some point in the future. Yeah, it may be a year from now, but I'll be able to tell you with absolute surety <laughs> at that point whether that was the bottom of this particular. <laughs> and my gut reaction is pretty much with the endless. It's about a 75% feeling like it's the bottom, about 25% saying, no, that ain't the bottom yet. This, this particular bear market and this particular economic situation we're in is certainly not unique in history, but it is very different from others that we have seen in the last half century or so. Uh, and I really hate to say it's different this time, but it is different it's, this time that, because here's, we have here's different origins. It's always different this time. We just have to find the thing that it's like, that it's not so different from. And we can still find those. But we have to look a long ways into the past yeah. to see this. Yeah. So this like is like the end of World War II or something. Yeah, exactly. Um, and and there's just there's a lot of factors going on in this particular bear market in in if we if we have a recession in this potential recession. In the economy of the United States, and we can get into this in detail, and of course it's affecting the markets, there's just a lot of things that are happening right now that we have not seen in some cases for 100 years. So, And we don't have really, really good records of the details of 100 years ago. So we're kind of, it's like, it's like, you're, it's like you're in a ship and you're cruising through uh, a bunch of islands and the newest chart you have for where the reefs are and where the rocks are and so on is 100 years old. You just... You, you might want to control your speed and, and make right. sure your draft is as shallow as possible for a little bit. Yeah, it's basically be cautious, but don't be panicked. Anyway, um, the other index we follow, the CRSP mid-cap value index, closed at 2312.19. Why do we follow mid-cap value? Because the, the S&P 500 is dominated by large cap, large capitalization companies, and tends to be dominated by growth companies. So going to the other corner, if you will, of the, uh, the stock market, uh, because everybody's not invested in the S&P 500, uh, we look at mid-cap value. And it is up 2.53% for the week, the CRSP mid-cap value index. It's down just under 11% from its top in January, and it remains down only 4.26% from this time last year. The 10-year U.S. Treasury note, has been slipping downward for a couple of weeks now. It's at two point seven six one. You may remember that, that a couple of weeks ago it was at three point over three percent. Yeah, and we wanted to make sure you understood that it was the the yield, the interest rate that's right. slipping downward. Right. Um, not not the the Treasury note itself that can be taped to a surface so it doesn't slip around, but the the yield on it has slipped down. Yes, go ahead. Unlike stocks, right? Stocks, right. which if you've got livestock, you have to pin them in, or they do. Yeah, wander around. And, and slippage is important to for right, a lot right. of reasons. Um, basically, if there, there's a lot of reasons that yields are falling, one of them is the fact that when people buy treasuries, if a lot of money is buying any bond, the price of the bond goes up and the yield goes down. And the dollar has risen dramatically in the last short period of time and in the last several months which means a lot of people around the world are buying U.S. treasuries and a large part of that U.S. treasury purchase um, pressure is coming from outside the United States. People are looking around and saying, this is a very uncertain world. We want to put our money someplace that is safe and reliable. And they're not putting it in gold. They're putting it in 
U.S. dollars. And there's a very good reason they're not putting it in gold, by the way. If Russia, Russia holds a lot of gold. Matter of fact, they're a major gold producer. If they get into serious economic trouble, they will proceed to sell a lot of gold, which means the price of gold will drop, which means if you buy gold thinking there's a crisis right now and Russia decides to dump all its gold on the market, you will be in a great deal of financial pain. So they're buying dollars and dollars actually hold up a lot better than gold anyway. Uh, anyway, so uh, the collective wisdom of the bond market either is that inflation is not too bad in the future or there's just a lot of people buying bonds, which means I think the second one. Um, we have a minor inversion in the yield curve. The two year, the, the one to watch in the, in the bond market for an inversion in the yield curve is you look at the two year rate, which is 2.920 and the 10 year rate, which is 2.761. If the two year rate is higher than the 10 year rate, then the bond market is considered to be in an inversion. If it stays in an inversion for an extended period of time, it is forecasting a recession. Now you would, uh, it's pretty clear that the difference between two point, if we round these off, 2.8 and 2.9 is not a lot, which means it's a very mild inversion, which is, means if it is forecasting a recession, it is forecasting a mild recession. Now, let me add a little caveat here. The bond market inverts mildly many times when there are no recessions coming. The one thing, what is dependable is we never have a recession without a bond market inversion, but we can have a bond market inversion without a recession. So we still don't know whether we're going to have a recession. Yeah, the longer uh, that inversion stays, the more likely we are to have a recession. Yeah. And, and, and as, Or that's based on history. There, there mm-hmm. are reasons for that. Yeah. Well, actually, legally, properly, I think we should say, the longer the bond market has stayed inverted historically, the more likely we were to have had a recession. Correct. Yes. It's not a forecast of the future. It's good, but it's kind of like looking at um, people can have a fever without having to have an appendix surgery. Mm. Or COVID. Or COVID. So you got you to gotta look at the symptom as a symptom. And it is a symptom. And it's a symptom of not good health. And here's, here's something good. West Texas Intermediate Crude Oil, WTI, dropped 2.7% after dropping about 6% last week. It's down to $94.92 a barrel, which is interestingly enough below the forecast price that was out there six months ago, which was before Russia invaded Ukraine. In other words, the price of oil has come down to about where uh, the markets were thinking it would be in the summertime if Russia had not invaded Ukraine, which is cool. The national average price of gasoline is now $4.41 a gallon across the nation, according to American Automobile Association. It was, five, it was over $5 a gallon a month ago. And in Texas, for those of you who, Central Texas specifically, for those of you who track such things, the average price is now $3.84 a gallon, which is making probably a lot of pe- people a lot happier than they were. Uh, you, can, you can judge the happiness of people. There's a sign that's all over the highway. And you see it all up and down the highways, and, and you can tell exactly how happy people are by reading the sign. It's an inverse relationship. The lower the numbers on the signs at the gas stations, the happier people are. Yes. So that's a happiness sign. It's an inversion happiness sign. Unless you're the small business owner that owns the gas station and then you just bought a bunch of gas because people were using it as fast as they could because the prices kept going up. 
you bought a bunch of gas at that high price and now you got to eat through that before you can lower your price tag to keep up with the chain next door. Just keep that there's in a mind. Chain next door? Yeah, usually there's a chain. It's like uh, a lot of links held together. No, I mean a chain gas station versus and chains by the way run into hundreds of gas stations, not thousands. There aren't that many really big chains of gas stations. Most of the oil companies are not in gas stations. So most of those are small business owned. Some of them are medium-sized business owned. And that means that the ones that are the slowest to raise their prices are also the slowest to drop their prices because they have the least amount of volume going through there. They have a big reserve in the ground of stuff they bought at high prices right now. It's going to take them a while to bring their prices down. But the places that are using the gas fast are showing their their prices drop quickly. There. That was a quick answer to a question nobody asked. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Well, by much. the way, the, the wholesale market for gasoline in the United States is selling, if, if you're monster wholesale, like the open market where gasoline immediate contract futures are being traded is like $3.03 a gallon. Yeah. So if you could buy, if you want to buy gasoline at the Chicago board, or the, of course, I'm sorry, the NYMEX, if you want to go to New York and buy gasoline on the futures market to put in your car, you could save a lot of money. $3.03 a gallon. However, you'd have to take a large quantity. Yeah. Well, you'd have to have a really big tank in your car. I think yeah. it's 10,000 gallons is the smallest. The tank may be significantly larger than the car. Right. Yeah. And that would probably affect your gas mileage. Yes, it would. Probably. So you would probably <laughs> not net a gain on that if you were to. Your mileage will vary. <laughs> All right. So, so was that the market? That was the market. We have. Well, there's actually lots more to it than that, but right. we didn't. The We added 251,000 new jobs in the report that just came out. Right. In order to get to neutral in the United States economy, in other words, that indicates that employment is still growing at a breakneck speed. The economy isn't slowing down. It isn't slowing its growth down pretty clearly. We have to get down to about 150,000 to be neutral and probably a four, four and a half percent unemployment rate instead of 3.6. So we're in full the growth economy is still though. overheating. It's still growing probably too fast, despite what you're going to see in the GDP. The indications are all there. And by the end of this year, if the Federal Reserve continues its aggressive rise in interest rates, which, by the way, I don't think they're going to do 1%. They're going to do half or three-quarter at the next meeting, That's my guess. They came out with a pretty adamant statement of 0.75 yesterday. So that's Good. in line with what they have been saying. Uh, so we're going to see interest rates rise. They'll probably be at neutral by the end of the year and go slightly above neutral in the next year. Interest rates are likely to come up in the future across the board. That's good for planning. Uh, until we get the hiring rate down a little bit, we're going to continue to see inflation. We're going to continue to continue to see the economy growing breakneck speed. And it literally, the economy needs to stop growing so fast. We're overheating the economy at this point. Um, uh, initial jobless claims were also up a bit last week. Yeah, a little bit. A little bit. And and the headline that you saw was probably initial jobless claims up. And people say, oh, that's a really bad sign. Well, it's still in the category of 40-year low. 
<laughs> layoffs are just not happening very often. It is not as low as it was for the beginning of this year and into the end of last year. But we're just not seeing a lot of layoffs. There's slightly more layoffs than there were a month ago or the month before that. Uh, but then you go a month before that and we have less layoffs now than we did in March. Less layoffs now than we did in January. So just keep that in mind. It's a, it's a cooling indicator, just like the housing price, price being really high but sales dropping, it's a cooling mark, but you're still hitting record numbers. Keeping that in mind, you've been saying it for two hours now. I am in complete agreement. The U.S. economy is still in massive growth mode. It's in weird spots, though, which is why we see the inflation that we see. It's in weird spots, which means you're going to see parts of the economy that are already in recession are moving into it. And you can see that right now in the home building falling off. Uh, most of these these layoffs are taking place in places where the demand is being destroyed first, which is not a good sign for prices for houses in the future. This is oddness. Weird places happening. Well, it's good to measure. It's going to be just, bumpy. It's whiplash. It's going to be interesting to see how this turns out. These short-term numbers are kind of weird. One of the things I will also say is, despite the fact that the price-to-earnings ratio, which, by the way, is all messed up right now, is not exceptionally low in the stock market, all of the indicators that we normally get about behavior suggest that the market is, and I quote, low, end quote, as opposed to high, uh, which indicates that if we measure from now going forward, there is a good probability that we'll see some good positive returns in the market, as I said at the beginning of this uh, this program in the first hour, the three-year return in the S&P 500 is 28% right now, which is excellent. That's about a nine, eight or 9% per year average annual rate of return. Sure, the market is down. It could go down further. But what is missing is all the stuff that we've seen before a major bear market in the past. High debt, uh, people being laid off, a whole series of things. That, and I've seen enough major bear markets to say none of them are there. We're also missing all of the stuff that we normally see before a massive, a serious recession. It's just not there. Now, what are the wild cards? Russia popping a nuke, which is entirely possible. Uh, a lot of things are going on out there that, that obviously at any given moment could screw things up. But I continue to be very optimistic about the if, if you're a long-term investor, if you're long-term in the economy, I continue to be very optimistic. I can also say interest rates will be higher, and I suspect that bonds will be lower in the near future. Um, it, so just check, cock that stuff away someplace and continue to watch. It's going to be interesting. Right. Um, one more piece of data to throw out there. There's actually several pieces, but this is this is one I can concentrate on. Weekly retail sales. These are the. This is like the massive part of our economy is is consumer is retail spending. It's getting out there and actually buying stuff. Uh, weekly retail sales for 2022 are running at just about 12% increase over last year, year over year, which is not as high an increase as when in 2021 over 2020. So well, how is that? Well, 2020, not a lot of retail spending, so there was this massive increase. We're still at a 12% increase over what we were spending last year. 
Some of that's inflation. This is not inflation regulated, but 12% is higher than any of even the highest numbers of inflationary estimates. So keep that in mind. When we say the, the economy is growing, you don't see an increase in retail spending of 12% in the middle of a recession. It's just, that's not how recessions work. So I, I think we've hit that in every direction. Do we think that it's possible to get a recession out of this stuff? Sure. Yeah, and I, we wouldn't be surprised. We say 50-50 for 2023. Flip a coin, you might get a recession, you might not. We don't think if we get a recession that it'll be very bad. Unless something bad happens in China and Europe beyond the current conditions. China goes back into full lockdown mode again for another six months. Um, Europe gets fully cut off from its gas from Russia, period. That's a, that is a big wild card. If this winter... Russia decides to bankrupt Europe by cutting off all of their gas. That's going to be painful. Yeah, we will be in a recession as well. And, and we will change our footing. We will get much more aggressive in our support of Ukraine. Well, that's the concern. If you really hurt the people who are supporting Ukraine economically because they're supporting Ukraine, will they continue to support Ukraine or will they say we'd like to have our jobs and our economies back? And if you take Ukraine, it's no big deal. It's just Ukraine. Right. Well, it's from the perspective of, of human opinion in Europe, the recent repair cut off of gas by Russia saying, Hey, we don't have the stuff because of sanctions. We can't repair our facilities. So we have to turn it all the way off. Blame for that has been put squarely on Russia. And it's been with a lot of anger. So I think it's much more like what the Ukrainians did of we're not going to we're not going to step back and bow and say, yeah, you can have whatever you took. Sorry about that, Russia. The the tidal shift in opinion about Russia in Europe is so massive. It is so far into the we really, really, really don't like them right now that if we see Russia turn off the gas in winter. I don't see them going, oh, you're right, Russia. Please turn it back on. We'll pay whatever you want. I think that the pride is too high in Europe right now. I certainly don't see that from Germany. Finding positives about Russia in European news right now is extremely hard. Really mm -hmm. hard to find anything positive about Russia. And, you know, by the way, go ahead. I want to throw one other little thing out there. I read some extensive articles in very reputable uh, places like The Economist and Financial Times about the health of Vladimir Putin. And they showed some pictures of him in his face a couple of years ago and recently. His face is swollen. Uh, he was having a kind of one of the videos that's gone crazy is he's having a conversation with his defense minister. He's sitting in a chair slumped and looking not well. And he's holding the corner of the desk for the entire conversation, which went on long, long conversation. He was gripping the side of that desk like with a death grip and his foot was twitching. And he's normally really good about covering up all of these things. And he, and both he and the defense minister looked ill. You know, um, the head of the CIA Thursday came out and said something about Putin's health. He said, um, contrary to all the news, um, President Putin's health is far higher than it has any right to be. There may be a double meaning in there. Mm. The, the media took it as the CIA saying that Putin was very healthy. 
I, I didn't read the same <laughs> meaning in those words. And he has any right to be. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we're about out of time for this episode. Thank you very, very much for listening. If you'd like to contact us off the air, we actually do give management of portfolios and advice to real people. Uh, our local line that is voicemail during the weekend, real life people during the week is... 254-947-1111. Or toll-free 1-800-914-7526. That's 800-914-PLAN. You can go to our webpage, thepersonalwealthcoach.com or tpwc.com. Sign up for newsletter, read newsletters. You can listen to our podcast anywhere you can. Email at jeff or jake at tpwc.com. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week.